Hello and welcome to episode 42 Property Mastermind Podcast with Hilary Saxton. This week's special guest, Bob Anderson, pretty much the usual guest, but occasionally we have other ones. But today we're talking about how the council can affect your property development. This will be a fabulous episode. We'll be covering so much interesting stuff. You're going to want to tune in. So let's jump inside to episode 42. Hello and again, welcome to episode 42, how the council can affect your property development, Hilary Saxton talking to Bob Anderson, uh, and, but before we get started, the usual story, giving away a copy of, of the book, Secrets of Property Millionaires Exposed, and all the different people who have strategies around how they think or how they like to make money from property, it is a fabulous read, if you would like to win a copy of this, you are welcome to send me a text, email, comment favourably on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts, give us give us a raving review, share us with your friends, show that, pop it on Instagram, however you can promote us or share us, um, then you'll go in the drawer to win. This week, this copy goes to Jerome Hensey. Jerome stepped up from our Property Mastermind online course to the bundle. Thanks, Jerome. You will be receiving this in the post in the next few days. So let's jump into episode 42. We are ploughing through. We are. We, 42. It seems like yesterday. I it wish was I was 42. Two. No, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say that. Um, you're, you're pretty pumped today, I've noticed, just yeah. you know, leading on. But I'm a bit you, fired. You had a big session with your coach. I did. I had morning. a fab session with my coach this morning, working with a new coach and she's American and she is a machine and she's doing some great stuff for my head um, and I'm just really noticing uh, yeah I'm noticing a, a lot she's a high performance coach I believe in coaching because I am a coach and I think I've told I might have said la, earlier that I'm having a coach all year this year mm. just to really fire off and knock off some amazing stuff seems to be working oh my god yeah she's so <laughs> good she's so good for me and I believe in coaching so and, and people listening, I know a lot of people, well, we've got a lot of people that work in our community, um, are a part mm. of us, and ha- we coach them, mentor them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never want to think, oh, I know it all, I'm right now, don't need no. to improve. And actually, that's probably, we've got a good, uh, we've got a new level of t- coaching type thing coming. Oh, yeah. We're offering soon. Yeah, well, that'll be coming out, the uh, the nuts and the bolts around that will be coming out, what, probably in about a month or so, I guess? Maybe, yeah, oh, Maybe probably. a little bit longer. So, maybe, yeah. Yeah, so it's, we've, We've looked for something between what is our standard courses mm-hmm. and and our mentoring help, mentoring program, which is mm. you know a high level program. Something that in be, in between, I guess, where where people could certainly get the education, but get a lot of um, well, if if you like, a lot of excitement, a lot of stuff happening, and also some help, mm. a bit of extra help that you know. You, because you Bob and it. I only it's only Bob and I. We don't outsource to last year's students. Us doing the work <laughs> and. We're capped and we have we have a bit of a waiting list. So it's yeah. kind of an in-between thing how we can help more people and, yeah, grow. So if you if you want to know anything, you're welcome to reach out or get on a waiting list. We know it'll sell out. We'll probably cap it, it at 20 be. people. Yeah, definitely tops 20 on that. Mm. Uh, yeah, and it will go fast. But and it'll run for six months. It's exciting. It is really been, it's exciting. It's taken a while for us to get our heads together and actually build it and come up with something pretty incredible. We've gone back to a lot of our past students and our current even our mentoring students in some cases just to just to find that slot in between mm. like the course and the mentoring program 
that uh, yeah looking forward to that it is and we've got some other we've got a lot going on our website's going to undergo a little bit of a change over the next few weeks but do check us out propertymastermind.com.au because we've got some pretty cool events coming up mm. as in live events where we'll be hitting brisbane in may yeah and ours will be next level nothing you've ever seen Pretty cool. Definitely want to come along to that one. For and, sure. And we'll be on our way to Sydney maybe. In fact, yeah. somebody yesterday from Victoria, when they found out, said they were flying up. I think I read that email. Oh, they should. They should. How, how good's that? Why wouldn't you? Exactly. But anyway, Bob, we've digressed. Oh, before we do that, can mm. I ask you? Can we you, digress some more? Yeah. I, just we were, You just brought up the fact that I'm pumped. I've had my mm, session mm, with my mm. coach this morning. Can I ask, and I know we're off piste as usual. We've started off completely unscripted, but... Have, who did, I know in the early days you had a mentor, you had coaching and mentoring sort of but through somebody who, um, yeah. yeah, how well, do you go on that? Well, I work for a couple of the top development companies in Australia and, mm. and so, I mean, you learn a lot in-house there and they teach you and you're working with other high-level people but I did have a mentor, Yes, uh, Warren Lennon was his name, sadly he's not around anymore, um, who took, well, basically took me under his wing. I was quite young. Uh, in my role in some of the major development companies, I was like 20 years younger than what you would normally be to have that high-level role. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's a state management role in, in, in the biggest development companies in Australia. And, and uh, he saw something in me that maybe a lot of people wouldn't, mm. and he actually gave me the job mm. uh, against others who, you know, on, on the surface had a lot more experience. But he saw something in me. He said, yeah, anyway, it's a, it's a long story. I won't go into it now. But that was Warren. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't just like hold my hand he he was a mentor he's like i often call him my property father mm. now i've got a, obviously oh, i had a normal father <laughs> uh warren was my my, my property father mm. yes that had a big influence on me that's cool that's a, such a cool thing to know that you, we all need somebody who knows what they're doing who can support us and it's it's like having a personal cheerleader that's mm. what i equate it to Mm. Yeah, but anyway, this is not our topic. No. Our topic. What is it? Hey, I don't know if anyone, if you can hear a little jingling, it's the dog in the background scratching herself. I don't know. It's, can you hear a little jingle, jingle? It's anyway. Got a little, little tag on a collar that jingles. We, anyway, on it, with it. On with it. Let's we go. are talking about, and it is such an interesting topic. Oh, before we do, I'm oh, sorry, one more digression. How good was last week? We've had so many emails oh, and texts on, on about, the Overland Flow. On Overland Flow. So if you didn't check it out, it got a massive rap. It was it had so many people interested. So check out forty one on Overland Flow. Yeah, people just, loved it. I just can't predict what what people are going to be interested in. Uh, who knows? But anyway, this would, one promises to be I wouldn't just have as thought good. so, but it has. Yeah, right, I know. So how can councils affect your property development? And I suppose, Bob, we could probably start that off with um, when do you need a council involved in a property development? Well, that's a good point, I guess. Um, if, if you're just building a house, for instance, on a block of land, it's not considered a development applicable type of thing. So really all you need to do is you get your plans and a private certifier will certify them and you're away. It's when you do multiples, what we call you know multiple units, and that could be something as simple as a duplex or a two-lot subdivision or anything larger. That's when we need uh, a council permit, if you like, or a development permit or council permission, call it what you like, mm. uh, when we're, you know, basically anything over a house, upwards. Yeah, so there are, as you know, there's, there's planning schemes and every council has, a, has its own planning scheme around that. Mm. And uh, there's often a thing called a table of development where they set out in any particular zoning what you can do, uh, 
you know, with, with permissible uses, you're allowed to do it without the council. And then there's uses where you have to get council permission. And they'll also have a list of things you can't do. Bob, is, are all websites even, I know, you know, are, are all councils easy to find that information or is it more of a conversation or is it that more of a town planner's role? Well, most councils these days have their planning scheme online, but it's, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a thing to actually uh, read it. So, I mean, you could get a uh, just a private town planner to decipher it for you in mm, simple English. Mm, mm. So, yeah, I mean, what I guess what I'm saying is, other than a house, we've got to deal with council. Yeah. Uh, like it or not, <laughs> that's what we've got to do. Okay, so, and what can you do with uh, with the permissions or, like, what do you do, what do you do with those permissions yeah. from council? Well, if it's, let's say it's permittable use, mm. let's, let's say the zoning says we can do townhouses if we get permission, if we get a permit and, and we lodge it. Uh, there can be different levels of assessment. Uh, some... It's called different things in, in different places. Some people might call it code accessible or impact. What that means is it's the level of, of, of compliance you have to go to. There's sometimes, although you have to get a permit, you don't have to advertise it publicly and it doesn't, you know, those sorts of things and it can be a bit faster. So all of those, all of those levels of assessment will state what the requirements are, yeah. I'm assuming. So what determines who, what, which has different levels? Is that just council? Yeah, it's in their planning scheme. It's yep. in their table of development. Uh, if ever you're confused, I, I mean, here's a, here's a tip, I suppose, if you want one. My suggestion is don't sit down and read a planning scheme because it's, it really is it does your head in. It's like reading a phone book. Yeah, just have a chat to a private town planner, even if you have to buy a little bit of their time. Uh, to decipher the whole thing for you, where it is that you want to develop in simple English terms. There we go, tip number one for the day. I think people enjoyed the tips last week as well. We gave out about three or four and I pointed them out. So there's a great tip from Bob. So I know that councils can have both both a positive and negative impact on your property development. Bob, should we should we go down that road and explain some some of those? Yeah. The, the, let's go down a positive road before we have a negative <laughs> one because there aren't well, that many positives, but they are there. I mean, just in a straightforward sense, if you lodge an application with council, positive would have to be getting an approval. Yeah. Uh, because that's what you want to achieve. Uh, and, and, and the approval that you want. Yes. Like, for instance, you don't want to apply for, let's say, a four-townhouse development but get an approval for three because you probably bought the site expecting to get four. So an approval isn't necessarily a great thing. When I, I qualify it by saying the approval that you want. Mm. And so that that's a positive thing. An approval that's not positive might be an approval that you don't want uh, that doesn't quite Plus work Plus you've done you. all your feasibility and all your numbers yeah, on, say, the, on that example, the four-pack and then yeah. getting back notes three. Well, you know, on the way through. Mm. I mean, the negative is obviously not getting an approval. Mm. And that's not what you want. That's not to say it's the end of the road. No, well, we've got a great example, actually, of a couple we're working with who were rejected by council. Mm. Just that, I think, wasn't it to do with, like, setbacks and stuff? Was yeah, the issue? It, it never quite got to the point where the application was knocked back. But council, or at least the council officer that was assessing it, mm. and, and, you know, it can come down to personalities, oh. as it did in this case, I, I remember. Uh, they... They just, the council officer just had a particular way that they wanted to go. And it was ridiculous. Mm. Uh, 
And in, you know what? I wonder, Bob, if sometimes that's ego-based. You know, and I've had sure that experience is. this week working with somebody trying to do something outside of to, – to do with what we do, trying to book something, and I bumped up against somebody's ego, and they decided I, something, and it was ridiculous. Yeah. And, and I suppose that's the same To the point that the communication on. totally broke down from, from their end. Oh, just childish. Yeah. So in, in this case, uh, they, they wanted – uh, for townhouses, the council officer was pushing for three. Mm. They wanted to do three levels on a couple. They were pushing for two levels. And at one point, the council officer said, look, if you want this to work, what you have to do is to buy the neighbour's property. And they went and asked. And the neighbour's like, I don't want to sell my property. Of he doesn't want to sell his property. What a statement yeah. from the council. And this thing was dug down to the point where they were going to have to head off to, well, in this case, it's v, yeah, VCAD yeah. in Victoria. Yeah. Other states, it might be the Land Environment Court. Uh, and, and so they were, you know, they were just pushing to get a knockback from council so that they could pursue it. But there's a bit more to that story, as you know. As, luckily, that council officer left, wasn't it? I think, they were, I think they might have been moved... Sideways to another to another area, like the cleaning, hopefully. Yeah. And then the new council officer approved it, and it is now going ahead. Which oh, is it's almost, yeah, it almost fully approved. So, so the arguments that the other council officer was pushing for, the the other one isn't. So, so there's a situation. Same council, same planning scheme around the same time, and two different attitudes between two assessment officers at mm. the council. And I suppose the bonus side of that and um, probably, the, you know, the, the, the positive side, if we were looking at that, was that there's been such an increase in property prices that they will, they now have a more profitable, profitable development. Mm. And that will happen. Yeah, yeah. and that's a market-driven thing, but it, it's a, it turned out to be a bonus. It's been a bonus for a lot of people, really, but um, <laughs> who, have, who, who haven't bought good sites uh, initially. But, um, yeah, it looks like that one's going to be okay now. So they, they're avoiding... The cost of having to go to VCAT to have it, uh, you know, to have it assessed by VCAT. VCAT, for those that don't know, in Victoria is is basically where you go if if, if you get a knockback and, and and you want to get it reversed. Yeah. Um, but it can take a long time. The process can be time. What does it cost oh, to go to VCAT? Oh, it depends on the scale of the project, but like like it can cost anything from you know like five to ten thousand to you know twenty on a not big project. But it, mm. but the waiting list. Is you know somewhere around nine months. Oh gosh! So um, and then depending on the piece of land you're sitting on, these guys were sitting on a vacant piece of land, so mm. there's no rent or anything coming in, which is a little no, bit. No, no, the house they bought on the site was, was so dilapidated they mm. actually demolished it. But um, there's an effect that council has had that was looking not good at all. Mm. Um, I think it would have gotten rolled in VCAP personally. They would have. They would have got it. I think they would have won, but they mm. would have wasted money in nine months. Mm. Um, so within council, the effect has changed due to a staffing effect. Mm. What are the causes, Bob? We've got staffing. What are other causes of council? And I think egos as well. Seriously, <laughs> oh, I, I had that on one of mine. Mm. Uh, talking about council staff, I was doing a, a, a substantial project. It was twenty two apartments. There was only one place that we could bring the driveway in and there happened to be this old funny old little shanty oh, looking thing right. there uh, but at the time there was within council you couldn't demolish anything that was built before 1901 at the time that dates now move forward to 1911 uh, but the the thing is it was had no 
no architectural significance. Mm. You know, it, it had you know lattice work from the seventies. It had this from the sixties. It had something else from oh, the fifties. Oh, like 50s. eclectic. Oh, just a mess. There was nothing original almost, uh, and we needed to get it demolished. But the problem is, we're up against the council officer. He said, "Well, you can't prove it was built before." Uh, after 1901 I said well you can't prove it was built before 1901 mm. and so we had a heritage architect they had a heritage architect we got an historian to analyze the titles and and and, and in the end like n- n- we couldn't prove it wasn't built after they couldn't prove it wasn't built before and then there's this loggerhead uh, a loggerhead of, of egos how long Bob how long was oh, that probably that? three months at that point yes and then you got two quite expensive heritage architects uh, headbutting each other as well. You mm. know, not, the council are paying for one, but that's the ratepayers can't paying there, and I'm mm. paying for the other one out of my own money. And uh, the the council officer went on uh, on a month's holiday. Fortunately, somebody else picked up Great that file. Great story. Yes. I then went and had a talk to that person and said, "Look, how ridiculous the whole thing was." Mm. Uh, they actually agreed. And they said, if you can get a structural engineer certificate to say that the thing is dangerous and should be demolished, he said, I'll actually back the demolition. I got one the next morning, got it to the council officer and demolished it the day after. Yeah, Bob Anderson does not muck around. Well, I couldn't. I didn't want this guy to come, come back, back from, from holidays. holidays. <laughs> yeah, I got what. So what... That, that's two outcomes that we've shown that have come out, you know, have had an outcome of positive, even though... Through, through staff changes. Yes. That's how sensitive it can be. It's, well, not, it's not just policy. I know we've, we've decided to uh, talk on, uh, make a podcast of that big, the big council deal you had to deal oh, with. Oh, that one, yeah. But you've had, uh, we'll just allude a little bit to there, you had a, a massive fight with council. And I think Bob alluded to something that a lot of people don't realise is that council doesn't care because they're using ratepayers' money. Hmm. And the person, like, disputing, which standing up for themselves in some cases, which is the reality, is paying for it out of their own pocket. And hmm. that that's where it becomes ridiculous. So, you actually had a massive fight with council. Do you want to go down that road? Oh, I might even do a podcast on it. It's yeah, interestingly we'll do a full enough. One. But this particular one was a substantial project, so end value of around $55 million. Uh, council had a, a, a last minute change of heart, having worked with us for a year, and everything looked good. Uh, just before it was due to be approved, about five days before, they swung around and said, We're not approving it. Uh, we didn't believe they had any town planning grounds for doing that, but they did anyway, and so I had to take them to the Land and Environment Court. Uh, th- it, there, was, there was a lot between... Then I got an expedited hearing, which is supposed to be a faster hearing, and that took 13 months. Uh, I spent a million dollars of my own money uh, fighting that case, and won, as, But, but as they I were just have. dining out on taxpayers' money, and yeah. then at the end of the day, the people, the lady who said no, and the people, they just got fired. Well, yeah, the head the head planner got fired at the end of that, and the second head planner uh, conveniently retired or resigned, I should say. But that was at the egos. same time. Yeah, but really, they were only pawns. Yeah. Um, the real power came from the elected members in that case, uh, mayor from the mayor down, uh, and uh, they, they were just casualties. They were collateral damage. Though, the the actual permanent employees, because you know, at the end of the day, they got to do what the They're hierarchy says. Muppets, yeah. Uh, yeah Can yeah, I say that's a bit rude? Well, but you just did. Puppets. Um, <laughs> puppets or Muppets. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's an example of um, 
of council having a big effect. Uh, fortunately, it was a, a big enough project that could absorb that, that million dollars because you never get it back. It's not like a civil action mm. when you go to court like that against a, a council approval. Um, the money just disappears. And at the end of the day, your gut feeling on that was it was personal. They'd sort of land-tagged it for somebody else. Yeah. A relation. Yeah, well, look, you know, there's all sorts of things yep. go on in the background uh, that you find out later on. But anyway, the point is I had to fight it. And you won it. So that and will be a great – it's a very interesting story and I, I think we should share that. Mm. But So what are other reasons, Bob, apart from egos and count <laughs> because that's where we've gone so far, but there are, there are other reasons that there are policy changes or planning scheme changes that, that will impact – your property development. So mm. what are they? Yeah, so we've, we've had a bit of a chat about even something as simple as staff or yes. staff changes or staff's egos mm. within council can have an effect on your development. Mm. But, yeah, policy changes. I mean, they can be good or bad. Yes. Uh, Give me a good one. What's oh, been a good one? Uh, well, let, let's say you, you have a parcel of land uh, that's zoned for doing two-storey townhouses and council zone it up that you can do a five-storey apartment block. How good. Uh, and that's exactly <laughs> what happened. Uh, in in parts of Brisbane where I was doing quite a bit of development uh, around 2014 uh, or 2014 mm. yeah it would have been around then they changed the Brisbane city plan uh, from the old one which had been around for 14 years and they made certain areas they simply if you like upgraded or upzoned it from two levels to five uh, in about three different parts of the city and that obviously makes the value of land jump up a lot mm. but if you happen to either if you knew it was coming and you bought or you happened to own something that was there, you know, one minute you've got an 800-square-metre site that, that's a potential four-townhouse site and next minute you can do a five-storey apartment block on it. Mm. Uh, so that's a – and needless to say, pricing, the values jumped up immediately and, and continued to do that. So what about – I know of another one when they changed in a particular council, they changed the parking – the car parking allocations – and that has a massive impact on what you can mm. put on. So it just changes yield and it just changes a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, you're right, absolutely, particularly yield, as you said. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, one place where, with townhouses, uh, you only needed one car park. Now, as, as you go around the country, I mean, there's, I don't know, five or 600 councils in Australia and they've all got their own rules. Uh, in some councils, if you have a three-bedroom townhouse, you have to have a double, you know, two-car accommodation. Uh, in some councils, three-bedroom townhouse, you only need one car accommodation. Mm. I've actually seen it in some where you need one and a half cars accommodation. Where do you put the other half of your car, Bob? <laughs> well, you don't build one and a half garages. No. If you did if you did four, two would have a single and two would have to have a double. Ah, is that how they work? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Half a garage isn't much good for anybody. Mm. But um, So, although, you know, the retirement uh, village I'm doing, out, the garaging is a double and a half and the half is for the uh, golf, golf carts, yeah, yeah, two cars plus a golf cart. Uh, but anyway, uh, getting back to it, yeah, that, that that can have a massive effect because that could be a situation where you know you might get four townhouses with a single garage and only three with a double. Mm. And when that policy came in, it means you could actually get caught in the middle there. You might buy a site that you think is good for four townhouses with a single garage, and then in them in the meantime, um, council could change it and all of a sudden you can't get four you can only get three they might be bigger and with a double garage and therefore you can sell them for more but you still might not be able to make up the gap mm. between the four and the three and that's a 
you know, that's a change, that, that car parking. That, I'm thinking of one council that changed it twice in, in, in two years. Who, who decides so, on these changes? They oh, what, just wake up one morning and say, let's have a change? What goes on there? Oh, well, it's, it's council policy. I'm sure there's people in there that sit around having discussions all day in their town planning area about, you know. It could, well, I mean, I, I can understand some of the reasoning. Mm. If you've got three particularly in some areas, like I'm thinking of, let's say somewhere, and I'm, I'm thinking of near a university, where you've got a three-bedroom townhouse and, and a single car park, yet you've got three students in there and they each have a car. So you've got one car in the garage and two on the street. Yeah. Now, when you drive up those streets, and I've driven around them near the university, it's just both sides of the streets just chockers with cars mm. because there's not enough parking. Uh, and, 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 in fact, you could even do a four-bedroom townhouse with one and I've, I've built heaps of them, four-bedroom townhouses back in the day when you only needed one car park. Mm. And I built them near hospitals because four nurses loved to rent them mm. or near, say, unis where four students. And so you've got one car in the garage and three on the street. Mm. And, and I can see that that's a problem, particularly with people that live there, owner occupiers, maybe on houses and, you know, their friends have to park two blocks away or whatever when they visit. But um, so that's... I mean, and just a that's security part of thing, the pressure. You know, having to park down the road and then walk to your house at night. You know, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's yeah. obviously that security. I'm trying to look at the other side. Yeah, yes. You know, from yeah. a, why that policy might might go that way. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. uh, and that's I think that's some of the reasoning behind it. Uh, but you know, that that's an example of how a, how a policy change could mm. could adversely affect you. You, you mentioned earlier, Bob, about uh, like you might already own that piece of land and there's a change. How can somebody become aware or find out prior? You said if you knew prior, how would you find out prior what was going on with policy schemes, you know, with, with what the council's yeah. got coming up? Look, sometimes council, and they can do it, they'll mm. just come out of the blue and do something. Mm-hmm. But these days, councils are a bit more consultative. Is that consultative? Hmm, whatever the right word is. Sounds good to me, Bob. Uh, and You're a smart partic- man. Particularly, particularly in, in, in some, some issues where they like to get public comment. Right. So what they'll do, they'll propose a change and then there'll, there'll be a certain amount of time where people can like go to a you know, council will set up little uh, you know, community consultations and their town planners will be there to explain the proposed change. People can come and listen. People can uh, offer feedback on, and opinions on it and council will supposedly take that into account, the feedback, and then they'll eventually form a policy. Uh, so there is a, you know, you, you can see what's coming probably, mm. uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. I, I can remember one in... I'm just, what, is this that one where you and Luke had that town hall thing? Oh, that, the whole town was a, against you. Or I something. could do a podcast on that one. Well, we'll save it then. It's a good yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a funny night. But but like in Victoria, I remember a few years ago they suddenly brought in this this um, what, uh, garden minimum garden area. That's right. With thirty five. Yeah, well, yeah, twenty five to thirty five percent of your side had to be garden or something. Is it still standard or is it just yeah, parts no, it's of? still there? Yeah, my best of my knowledge. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I think if it's lots over four hundred square meters, you had to have twenty five percent, and then sort of. 600, I can't remember, it was 35, and went up up between 25 and 35% of your site. That all of a sudden, you know, that knocked the yield around. Mm. Because I knew somebody who um, was putting through a five townhouse project, and as, as soon as that garden thing came out, it just knocked it back to four. This council said, no, it's not going to uh, conform, uh, redesign it, and they lost a townhouse off it. Yet they bought it as a five townhouse site mm. and, and spent money getting the plans drawn up now they're going to get money getting a different set of plans drawn up and they've just dropped a townhouse. 
property developing. It's not a game for the for, it's not yeah. a game for the weak. No, so you've got to be committed. <laughs> had the market gone up in the meantime, that was survived. Could it. it could absorb it? But what if the market was flat and wasn't going up in mm. the meantime? You know, yep. all of a sudden you got a, you know, like a marginal deal that might have dropped from twenty one to sixteen percent. Uh, then you know you got. You know, you're probably going to have to throw in some more equity, more than you thought you were going to do to get the finance. Yeah, these things happen. I think it's great that you bring that up, Bob, because at the moment with the price increase, people do see or think, yeah, you know, property developing and people are, property developers make a lot of money. But when the market is flat, something that small is critical. Hmm. Can Absolutely be. Yeah, can, critical. can have a big effect. Yeah. And it's a council policy change that can come in hmm. totally out of left field. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so... Mm. I've got my own opinion on councils, but particularly after my big punch-up recently. Yeah, after after the big after the war. Oh, it's a little while ago now, but uh, yeah. Anyway, it carries it still carries a few wounds. While we're on councils, I have actually heard stories, Bob, of even elected council members getting involved in oh. developments. And this is a good tip, really. It's a bit of a tip. Well, it is. Uh, so we're not just talking about the planning staff at the council who are p- permanent employees. Mm. Uh, we're talking about the elected members who can come and go. Mm. I mean, they could be there for a three-year term and then gone. Who knows? And uh, so, yeah, look, what, normally what happens in most councils, when, when you lodge an application with council, it goes to the assessment manager who's, been, who's in charge of that. But then there'll be other uh, permanent employees in council who will have input. You know, the council engineer, the council, uh, perhaps a landscaped architect within there, uh, different, different professionals within council. But then the elected member for that area mm. uh, also gets a copy of it because most councils, uh, the deal is that any applications within an elected member's area, they, they get notified of the application. And to varying degrees, they can have some effect. Now, really, well, well, I can understand why because, you see, the elected members, all they think about is votes. Yeah. Their whole life is just about votes. They, they don't necessarily care about our development. But if, it, if something could be a little bit sensitive in an area mm. that could cost them votes, they'll go against it, not, not on its merits, but on the votes. Mm. Uh, and, and sometimes the votes are the noisy minority, of course. Yeah, the squeaky wheel gets oiled. Yeah, and that can happen. And I, I'm thinking of one area. It's, it's a couple of suburbs. Uh, it's one of those suburbs that I mentioned earlier that went from two, two levels to five levels. Mm-hmm. The local member is just absolutely anti- Every application. Every application in that couple of suburbs that goes in, she says, no, I don't want it, and, and it's the same old reasons. The uh, votes. <laughs> yeah. Now, most people in council have sort of worked out that she's a professional objector, even though she has a certain amount of sway, and you pretty well can work around that. But I have seen circumstances where they can have too much sway mm. and, and can actually – I got over I, I got involved in another war. It seems like I like to have a few blues and a few punch-ups from time to time. But I, He's the most passive person in the world, but I think sometimes when you're property developing, the developers get a bit of a bad rap and the council is not always pro. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sensibly passive, mm. uh, but I'll reach a point where I'd yes. t- 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 turn into a murderer. No, not really, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll you'll go, hold I'll, your ground I'll go if, so you, far. if you know it's Well, of course, right. I hold my ground, but yeah. I mean, like, take me too far and, and you don't go there. But, but He's uh, a scorpion. In, in, in this scorpion bu- burst sign for anybody. In this particular <laughs> He's got a sting on his tail. Yeah. So th- this is like, uh, gee, nearly 30 years ago. Um, myself and another guy, not, not working together but separately, started do- doing lots of small uh, 
almost like little one-bedroom units. They're about 30 square metres. And what we found is that uh, on a normal site that would take five normal-sized two-bedders, like 80 square metres, we could get like 14 of these little one-bedders in there. And uh, there was a real market for it mm-hmm. uh, because of the number of single-person households, yet nobody was developing it. And so it was a little niche that we jumped on. And uh, anyway, having, having done a few ourselves, uh, each of us, uh, council started to get wind of it. And, and decide they're not making enough money. And it's... Um, <laughs> Well, it, it happened to be at a time when there was council elections and the oh. whole, you know, the whole platform of this particular election was based on development. Uh, people saying, you know, the city's getting overdeveloped, uh, we're losing nice character housing and seeing, you know, six apartments go up. And, and, and so, the, you know, the platform wasn't about, um, you know, roadworks or, or parks or anything that you might... It was all about development. And it got quite heated between the mayor, if you like, the incumbent mayor, and the would-be if he could be mayor, and, and the other uh, council... All those councillors uh, out there, you know, fighting for their seats. And uh, so it became so personal. I had a project going through for 14 one-bedders, and the, the assessment manager at council approved it because it conformed with everything. The mayor got wind of it. And, uh, and vetoed it. Uh, so we've got a situation of the mayor and a couple of elected members uh, on the development committee uh, overruling their own council town planning department and saying, no, you can't approve it. And, and they say, but it co- totally conforms. Mm. And, and they, like typical, they're saying, well, I don't care, let them fight it in court. You know, that's the attitude because they're not using their money. Mm. Anyway, it became quite heated. Uh, and I even had had the mayor at the time rang up my architect and abused him um and uh anyway in the end uh we came to a a slight compromise the compromise was still in my favor i feel and a little bit of a compromise to them but there's a situation of, of the actual mayor and councillors going against their 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 professional full-term town planning department why the weird thing is that um when they're going to knock it back I said, okay, I'll see you, at, see you in court. Mm. And so they did knock it back. The assessment, this is a good little story, the assessment manager at council left after that. I don't think because of that, uh, but he was quite experienced in council. He then took up a position in one of the big town planning engineering firms. I found out about that immediately. I then went and engaged him because it looked like we we're going to court. Mm. And so I en- engaged him as my town planner to go to court because he had all the inside knowledge mm. on everything that had happened at council. And, and now he'd left council. And, uh, and so uh, when that became known, council backed down and we came to a compromise and never went to court. And it was okay, you know. So many stories. It's a funny old story. That oh, one. it is a funny old story. And I think what we can take away from today is it, it, the rules don't always apply. The rules can change. Not every change will end up negative. Some some of them will be, you, know, you might think it's a bad situation right now. And like with the uh, current mentoring students, mm. you know, having that change, it'll actually end up being better for them. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, there's a, lo- a lot of little lessons there. Yeah, yeah, I in guess there. we're saying... Council, it's just not a black and white thing. No, it, there's, there's lo- there are a lot of grey areas, but mm. I think a, a lot of useful information. Thank you, Bob, for sharing your amazing stories as usual. And um, there you go, everybody. The effect that the council can have on your property development, good and bad. Wise words of wisdom from our man, Mr. Bob Anderson. Oh, yeah. And remember to just check out... Oh, yeah. 
subscribe to us on YouTube so you know when our podcast is out or on Apple. And episode 41, the last episode was really popular. So you might want to jump in and have a listen for some reason. Otherwise, we will catch you next week. And we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Bye. Bye.